Wildling Press presents How Do I Book? book by Wildling Press. We like to chat about book writing, book publishing, book marketing, and of course, book reading. We're trying to help new and experienced authors develop their craft, widen their perspectives, and learn to get a little wild every once in a while. I'm Mary. I'm Christina. And I'm Mike. And today we are talking about who can write queer characters. Oh my god, is it you? Is it everyone? (laughs) (laughs) I I was just about to say, I'm both humbled and excited to be in this discussion with both of you, because uh, I am the one in this discussion who is not queer myself. (laughs) Yeah, tell me, Mary Payton, who can write queer characters? (laughs) Taking notes, gonna call, gonna call the the national association of gay people i don't know any i don't know any of, i i tried to come i'm up so with glad you asked me to lead this discussion because it, it's because we believe in you yeah it is because we believe in you yeah i was laughing about that a bit as i was writing it but the people who really need to hear this discussion are those mm. who are not in the community right lgbtqia community so it really is for like a lot of what i wrote was from my perspective as someone who's not in that community and as someone who very much loves my queer friends and family and wants to include them in stories um, and wants to read about them in stories but wants to make sure that people do it the right way yeah totally we'll launch into it and you guys of course feel free to bring up anything or correct me or Whatever you feel is necessary. <laughs> um, it's pronounced by Smexual. Oh. <laughs> Sounds French. It is. It is. <laughs> so when it comes to who can write queer characters, the very short answer is anyone. And you should too. Yeah, and you should too. <laughs> I mean, queer characters should exist in the same way that they exist in the world around us. They should be part of story. They should they are part of humanity. They should exist in story, just like everyone else. But the the better, more accurate answer is that those who can write queer characters are those who will write them with the same level of respect, dignity, and knowledge, or at least willingness to seek research. Truth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Research. Um, that they would give to any other character. Otherwise, don't attempt it. Don't do it. Yeah, and I guess that's probably where a beta reader would come in handy, is if you're like, I am a straight person writing with respect and dignity, but then like you don't actually know that you're a straight person. Right. <laughs> that's probably a good opportunity to have a queer beta reader come in and tell you if you're executing it the way that you are intending it. Right. I tried to think about a couple of things that should be obvious, but are important to remind yourself before even attempting to write a queer character if you're not part of that community. Number one, that queer characters are just regular human people. Queer people are just regular human people. And I know that- Gay gay character enters, first line of dialogue, well, I'm just so gay. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Well, that's been established. (laughs) And that should be obvious, unfortunately- here in 2023, there's a lot of forces at work trying to convince people that the queer community is foundationally different than the rest of humanity, right? which is wild. 
Yeah, like, you'll hear people sometimes be like, my gay friend, and it's like, is that, like, somehow relevant to the story? Right. Or is is that, like, exceptional in your brain? Right, yeah. and that's something I'll tell you, I'm kind of thankful over time that's used a little less, because I know when I was, like, in my, you know, late teens, early 20s, it was a lot of my gay friend Mike, and I was like, can I just be your friend? You're the only one, you're only my friend because you're gay. Right. I open the door just like everyone else, and I walk through it just like everyone else. I put my pants on one leg at a time, just like everyone else. I'm just as boring as everyone else. (laughs) Definitely a lot more people were closeted back in the day, and especially back Mm -hmm. in your day. You know, you're a little Mm -hmm. older than me, so, you know, it it was more, it felt more exceptional, for example, in, like, high school. It was like, oh my god, did you hear about the lesbians? Correct. Like my <laughs> a lot school of had 6,000 kids and people were like, I know who that is. <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, before you start writing that perspective of compassion and empathy for the characters that you're writing should also be there when you're thinking about writing queer characters. So if you don't already see queer people as regular human people, then you need to take a step away before you write any characters, really. Yeah, that's a you problem. That's a bigger problem than your book, too. Yes. And without that compassion or empathy or understanding that humans are just human, you're not going to be able to write queer... uh, Excuse me. You're not going to be able to write characters in general. Well, either way. Mm -hmm. And then also, Christina, you mentioned this a little bit earlier. Remember before you start that you are also the author a regular human person and you don't know everything. And that can definitely go for people both in the the queer community and people without it, that at any point you could think that you understand the perspective of your character. You could think that you understand what their life would be like and you could be wrong about that. You could be saying something problematic. Yeah, and that that also applies to people in the queer community. You know, like I'm bisexual, but I that doesn't mean I can write a trans character respectfully like i don't know anything about being trans at all queer people are not a monolith individual letters uh, on the queer spectrum are not monoliths there's nuance to everything right it's not like when you come out you're given a handbook and you learn everything so you can answer every question i mean i've been out for oh math (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> 24 years oh my god congrats okay hold on 26 years oh. and i'm still learning every day about queer culture in the community yeah and you also something i love about you mike you know is that you take such steps to kind of keep learning about the queer community you read books and and do stuff to try to learn about our community history right thank you for noticing that it's one of those things where i try to educate myself so that I can extend the common courtesy of just being educated and sharing respect with people that I may have not gotten when I was younger Mm -hmm. and I was learning about myself. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's a really important step to take before you even start the writing journey. If you're wanting to write a queer character or anyone who's any different than you is to, to read stories, read queer stories, Mm -hmm. a a variety of queer stories. You're not just getting one perspective about it. And to do the research in the same way that you would about any other part of your story. Yeah, like you can't be a fantasy author if you don't read fantasy. You know, it's the same principle. Right, exactly. Man, I had a boyfriend in college who was a musician. 
and wrote songs and like really thought he was a genius and i did at the time too Don't they all. but <laughs> he like went through this big phase of not wanting to listen to other music because he thought it would affect his <gasps> artistry oh, that's too so, much so so <laughs> conceited oh my god i get it for like very specific like if you're like gonna play a concert tonight and you're like i don't listen to other music i don't want to get confused or if you're like writing the finale of your book and you're like i don't really want to read somebody else's voice right now i really have like a thing going but like as like a lifestyle choice that's nonsense so dumb just so dumb (laughs) okay so once you've got those things down before you even consider starting to write your story or your, your queer characters then we can start talking about how to write them accurately and authentically organically first of all your queer characters just like any other character should be nuanced individual well-rounded and all of those things both inside and outside of their sexuality and gender queerness is not a personality it is just one characteristic and a whole long list of complex mm-hmm. characteristics that it interact can flavor a personality but it, it can't be the only thing Exactly. And the way that those things interact changes the way a person interacts with the world and the way that they express their themselves, their queerness, their gender, their sexuality, the way they show that to the world. You know, all of the other things that make up a character are, are just as important when you're creating a character. Mm-hmm. Like we talked about earlier that describing someone as your gay friend for no reason whatsoever. Unless it's relevant to the story. Right, <laughs> right, right. Mm-hmm. That's not their whole personality. There's so much more. Yeah. And this is where intersectionality comes into play, too. Yes. Being queer is a marginalized group, but there may be other marginalized groups that your character is a part of, like being a person of color or being differently abled or being a different socioeconomic status. The experience of like a trans black woman is very very different from the experience of like an upper middle class gay man or even like i'm a straight presenting bisexual no one if i wasn't yelling about it no one would ever ever know because i'm married (laughs) to a man (laughs) so it's just everyone's experiences are so different and so it's important to take a look at how the different ways in which they might be marginalized come together along with stuff like their interests and like their personality and other features like that Yeah, and also with the society that they were brought up in and the society they live in, that's going to affect who they are. Even if they share a lot of same qualities as another character, the way that they're brought up, their history is going to affect the way that they show it, the way that they carry themselves. Yeah, I read a book called Loveless by Alice Oseman, and it's about a girl realizing that she's asexual, and she got to college being like, kissing makes me feel uncomfortable, but without the word asexual in her vocabulary. Mm -hmm. Whereas someone who was raised with a very comprehensive education about queer studies and who has the word asexual in their vocabulary will have like a totally different experience from someone who doesn't even know how to describe what they're feeling. Absolutely. And that that education and also um, whether or not shame, you know, was a part of what they learned about homosexuality or you know, being trans, if they were raised to be ashamed of those kinds of people, then the way that they feel their own sexuality is going to be very different than someone who was raised in a household that accepted all people, Mm -hmm. you know, all the time. 
So your queer characters should definitely be nuanced outside of their queerness. Oh, yeah. I think it's uh, George R.R. R. Martin has this great quote where an interviewer said, you have so many women characters. They're all so wonderfully vivid. How do you do it? And his answer is something to the extent of, well, I write a cool character and then I make her a woman. <laughs> right. It's like it's that it's easy. It's just one factor. <laughs> yeah. It's funny that we still have to talk about this stuff. And I like discussing this stuff as someone who's not in the community as like an ally trying to get it right like trying Mm -hmm. to to not only understand but like to always be open to learning out loud and in public so that other people like me can see that it's okay and it's actually a good thing to learn that you were wrong before Mm -hmm. if you aren't like cringing at yourself when you're younger then you're not growing yeah oh yeah Mm -hmm. so true I am someone who has a lot of anxiety, as you guys know. So what? often, you do? yeah, it's crazy. No. So often, and I still do it. Often, I will, I'll avoid, you know, conversations where I could possibly say something wrong. Yeah, I get it. That can be so scary. Yeah, but it's really when I put myself out there and I have the possibility of being wrong that I learn better how to do things right. Yeah, and how to be a better person. So yeah. Anyways, enough about me. Um, oh my god, tell us more about your experience, Mary Payton. <laughs> and how the que- how the queer community affects me. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Ugh, always learning. All right. So the next thing. Mary Payton's like, you guys made me write this one. <laughs> they did. I would like everyone to know that they we did. We just wanted to give you anxiety. We, we planned the schedule together and we were like, mm, good one for Mary Payton. And it is because you're doing a great job. You're <laughs> doing you. a fa- fantastic job. Thank you so much. And if I'm not doing a great job, you guys can tell Christina and Mike. <laughs> yeah, please mm-hmm. tell me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so obviously in creating nuanced characters, you want to avoid tropes and stereotypes. Those are so easy to fall into, especially when you're writing about marginalized groups that have been traditionally stereotyped and troped in all of our stories that we've heard. It's It's been the, the cis, white, hetero, male story. The cis tum. The cis down. Down with the cis tum. <laughs> I love that. It's been that story for so long that even when queer characters or characters of color, anyone in a marginalized group was added into the story, they were added in as a stereotype, as just a side character, as maybe someone to to make fun of as part of the story, just to add to and to propel the cis-hetero, the system, the system, forward at all times, even when they were included. Yeah, I think a lot of people are probably really familiar with the gay best friend. Mm-hmm. Never the main character, always the best friend, right? With the sassy one-liners. The sassy one-liner yes. there to serve the white woman who is at the center of the narrative. Mm-hmm. Like my best yeah. friend's wedding. Mm-hmm. 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 I always go back to movies. If you're writing a queer character and you could like copy and paste them into a 90s or 2000s rom-com. No. Oh, no. No, don't go back. you're in trouble. <laughs> no, don't go yeah. back. That was a really heavy time for those stereotypes, too. And I understand that some stereotypes are based in truth and then just extremely exaggerated. 
But uh, I know that when I was like 16 or so and the birdcage came out and you hear people oh, talk about wow. they, they, they love the birdcage. The birdcage is a classic. It's great. It is whatever. <laughs> it is. But when I was 16 years old and not out yet and only new stereotypes yeah. of gay people, I went and saw that movie in the theater with a handful of friends and we left about 30, 40 minutes into it because I was tired of being there is what I told oh. them. Oh, I have a headache. We got to get out of here or whatever. But what they didn't know at the time was that those stereotypes types were washing over me and just putting fear like inside uh-huh. of me that I can't be gay unless I'm as flamboyant as the house the house boy. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like I was just totally just like overcome with, oh wow, I'm gonna have to be a stereotype to be seen. That I actually wasn't able to watch that movie and enjoy it. Probably another like 14 years. Mike, you're totally Robin Williams in that movie, okay? <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. But it was funny, like I just remember watching that and like that's all I understood about gay people at the time was what I saw in these stereotypical situations on television. Yeah. Because I mean, there wasn't anything in books at the time that I was picking up that there was any representation. And not to, you know, try to one up you, but <laughs> I, I never saw a bisexual person in film or TV until I was in my 20s. Right. Yeah. And even if they were, even if they did bisexual behavior, nobody's like, that's a bisexual person and that's a valid identity and we welcome you into the queer community. It's like, mm-hmm. look at that slut over there. Kiss yeah. everybody. Right. She'll sleep with anybody. Right. <laughs> yeah. And just because some bisexuals will <laughs> doesn't mean that all bi people are sluts. <laughs> and th- this is all why it's so important to read really broadly the identities, the genres, the tones. Like this is why it's important to read broadly what you're trying to write because if you only see the birdcage and you're like time to write my gay character, that mm-hmm. character is going to be a Miami movie gay. Like that's a different kind of gay than most gay people. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's Also important to read contemporary stuff. People are always trying to cling on to the classics, and I think obviously classic books have their value, but if you're trying to write queer characters and you don't read books that were published in the last 10 years, you don't understand how to write respectfully about queer characters. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Because it was just done wrong for so long, and still is many times. Yeah. It's so funny. I can like hear the voice of someone who is obviously not ready to write a queer character going, does that mean I can't write a gay character that likes brunch? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, you know, like that whole, oh, I guess I'll never do it again if if I can't write any stereotyping oh characteristics. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which, first of all, get out of here. Second, I like, love brunch. Uh, who yeah, doesn't love who doesn't? Brunch? Honestly, come on. <laughs> but like, it doesn't mean that you can't that that your character that your well thought out queer character can't sometimes hold. Some of these individual characteristics that have also been in stereotypes in the past. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a good example. Mike, I thought of you too with like Golden Girls. Oh, he's mm-hmm. gay and he likes Golden Girls. <laughs> I'd like to correct it about me. I am gay and I love the <laughs> oh, Golden so Girls. <laughs> Correction. <laughs> yeah. So, like, you know, you can include some of those characteristics, but. All of the characteristics about your character can't all point towards yeah. this stereotype. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Can't be like, what would a gay person do? What would a gay person do? That doesn't really mm-hmm. matter unless there's like a same-sex person in their face trying to kiss them or something. It almost never matters. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's the same the same way that anyone can write a female character that likes the color pink. Mm-hmm. 
right? That's a stereotypical female characteristic. There's nothing wrong with that. I love pink so much. I'm looking at like everything pink. around my keyboard, my mouse, my t-shirt. Like it's all pink. Yes. But you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't write your your female character liking only things that are stereotypically feminine and girly. There can be definitely girly girls out there for sure. There are. Or if you make your character girly girly and you give her all of these femme attributes give her reasons why Mm -hmm. other than she's a girl so it's like if you're gonna give your lesbian character a bunch of lesbian stereotypes give her a reason why she is such a stereotypical Mm -hmm. lesbian give her an awareness that she's a little bit of a stereotype like give her this agency over that stereotype yes exactly also, keep in mind your readers, especially in 2023, where we have more and more like well-written queer stories and queer authors, your readers are going to know if you just added queerness to your story for the points, yeah. for the diversity points. Just like if you added a character of color and that was their whole purpose, that, right? That's like all you mentioned about that character. They show up for a little yeah. bit, talk about how they're queer, talk about how they're a person of color, and then disappear. Yeah, or like in the in like kind of like 80s and 90s action movies, there's always the one black guy and you're like, okay, so I see that you're finally starting to learn that diversity matters, but uh, you're still not quite getting it, huh? Casting director of Jurassic Park. (laughs) Right. Oh, good (laughs) example. I love him. I love Samuel L. Jackson in that movie, but he's the only one. And oh, he's also in Die Hard 3. And his character in Die Hard 3 is like, I'm the black guy. And look at you, white guy. How does it feel to be with me, a black guy? And the white guy's like, oh, you're such a black guy. And it's like, oh my God, stop talking about it. Why? Who wrote this? For Samuel L. Jackson, sorry, sorry. I get really impassioned about Die Hard 3. The 80s and 90s and 2000s, <laughs> let's say. Let's round it all together. Bad times for stereotypes. Yeah. Especially in cinema, I feel mm-hmm. like. I don't know. I watched Spy Kids yesterday, and that's a wonderful, beautiful Mexican family who's just making it happen. Awesome. So watch that movie before you write a queer character. <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, wait. You didn't say queer. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I take that back. <laughs> I don't know. Floop is pretty queer code. Anyway, that's a whole no. Ooh, I'm going to put that on the schedule for next June. Que- queer characters versus queer coded characters. Mm-hmm. That's a good topic. Sorry, we keep wandering away. This is just a very good subject. There's a lot to talk about here. Yeah. And really, we've talked about mm-hmm. most everything that I have left to talk about. And I have a personal request for people writing queer characters. Don't make all your queer character stories tragic. Yes. There's oh my a, God. There seems to be a lot of times where it's like, you know, tragedy happens. It has to happen. So let's have it happen to the queer mm-hmm. character. Yeah. I've read you like know. so, like so many books about gay characters specifically mm-hmm. that end in the AIDS epidemic. And I'm like, yes. oh my God, this is not the ending. Oh my God. It's so, mm-hmm. there's already so much that the queer community has to be sad about. You don't mm-hmm. need to give them anymore. Yep. This is kind of a little off, but I was watching a movie the other day and I was really excited to watch it. And I thought I was going to get into this like gay, like romance. I knew it was more drama than comedy, but these is British and these two very sexy men fell in love and they both played on a gay rugby team. And this whole story goes on. Wait, the, rug- the you- whole rugby team was gay? Yeah, it's like a gay <laughs> rugby league, which which exists That's and is very amazing. <laughs> I have to be very careful opening my Instagram around family. <laughs> um, 
But <laughs> the whole thing is the whole storyline is like, oh, well, you know, they lock eyes across the room and, you know, things happen a little faster and whatever else. The next thing you know, it's like you find out that they're both in long term relationships and their excuses was, well, you didn't ask. And then it goes to this whole film of them like falling in love behind closed doors. Then they finally get caught and outed. One of them leaves his partner to be the other one. The other one stays with his <gasps> partner. And it just basically ends with them not, never getting together, them never speaking again. And then like the one guy who ends up being single, locking eyes with a new oh. guy across the room and the oh, credits God. rolled. And this movie was two hours oh God, and 14 minutes long. That's literally the ending of 500 Days of Summer is he meets at the end of girl named autumn and he's like oh autumn you say sounds like the next season of my life <laughs> right Literally. and that's what this was but i was just like oh my gosh you put every single thing negative in here and this is like geared yeah. towards the gay community well so that's like propagating bad stereotypes that gay men are slutty yes. that's like a, a horrible stereotype about gay men i think specifically and, mm -hmm. and the bisexuals don't forget <laughs> slutty bisexual right the exception to this that we've been saying is like, if your story is like that, I'm thinking really specifically about The Last of Us. I don't think it's any secret to anyone at this point that there's a heavily featured queer couple, a uh, gay couple in The Last of Us, which is a story about zombies where people die. So it's mm -hmm. like, yeah, if that, you know, if that doesn't end well, then that kind of matches the story, right. doesn't right. it? Right. <laughs> Oh, we just keep saying the same thing. It's right. like, make it normal and regular. Don't make a big thing of it. Mm -hmm. We're so normal and regular. Yeah, it just goes back to the very beginning, which is just like, if you can't get that queer people are just regular people in all ways, then you can't even begin to start attempting to write a queer character. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Also, it's hard to mm -hmm. say queer character really fast. Queer character. Queer character. Queer character. <laughs> and that's how you book. This episode was written and edited by me, Mary Crook. Our logo was designed by Michael Hardison. Our theme music was produced by Jason Hilton. Please check out the show notes for a link to the accompanying blog post and visit us online at Wildling Press on social media or at wildlingpress.com. 